Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. Hosting tonight, it is Harry- <laughs> it is Harrison Starr, joined by Max Brecky and Ben Ross, our two co-managing editors. Max, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Did you forget your name? I did. I didn't know how I wanted to introduce myself, so it took a little while. And Ben, how about yourself? Uh, I I I get the same way. I never know what to call myself these days. Same, same. So. We had a good weekend of <laughs> Iowa football because it was a winning weekend of Iowa football. Um, they won 13-3, of course, against Iowa State. Uh, so I guess what were uh, some of your key takeaways, Max and Ben? Well, um, I, I certainly um, attempted to watch the game, um, but alcohol got in the way of that, and I don't remember a whole lot. Um, but what, something I do remember is the defense looked absolutely spectacular throughout. Um, you know, they blew up the Iowa State offensive line over and over and over. Montgomery had no room to run um, and was repeatedly getting stuffed at the line. And they looked fantastic. And that's a great sign moving forward, especially with teams like Wisconsin and, you know, Penn State and whoever are coming up on the schedule. The ISU offensive line is nowhere near the caliber of at least Wisconsin. I I don't really know a whole lot about Penn State's offensive line situation, but I'm assuming it can't be worse than Iowa State's. Um, yeah, no, so they they did a great job, I thought, you know, on that side of the ball, um, especially with the linebacker situation still a little bit up in the air. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up with uh, the linebackers. Uh, I think what we're seeing now is the defensive line so skilled that it's able to cover up really any ills that might exist um, uh, defensively between uh, opening up gaps for the linebackers to make tackles and uh, just making sure that the quarterback gets rid of the ball before he might want to see a route develop. I think the defensive line is far and away the best unit on this team, and I certainly didn't expect it to look this good this early. What are you thinking, Ben? I think I always thought going in that I was never super worried about I was going into this season. I was never as worried as most people were about I was linebacker situation simply for the reasons you guys just brought up, um, having f- potentially five freaking NFL-caliber defensive linemen on – the roster is certainly helping um, any mistakes covered up by these linebackers. We even had our, our leading tackler from last week miss the entire game, Christian Welch. Um, right? He missed the whole game, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, it was uh, Colbert yeah. in there the whole time. Yeah, he was ruled out right before. I didn't even know that going in um, until I had to look at the uh, – noticed about halftime. I, I noticed I didn't see Welch out there. Um, overall, I mean, there wasn't – we didn't – the offense didn't run a play that Iowa State – um, <laughs> um, the the offense didn't run a play 
that Iowa State had never seen. Oh, before, oh, oh, so, oh, Ben. Um, they did. The jet sweep fake with Nate Stanley. That has never been seen before. Uh, okay, I don't remember that either. Um, I didn't get as drunk as Max, but I was uh, in Denver for a bachelor party watching this game. We went to and we found an Iowa bar, and it was a great, great, one of the best Iowa in bar game watching experiences I've ever had. Um, so I'll say that. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, beer gets to you a little bit quicker in Denver, um, or alcohol does rather. Um, but, uh, it was a great day. Uh, Iowa, Hawkeye State, people forget that it's a Hawkeye State and I'm, uh, only thing I'm really concerned about in this team is play calling and, uh, what Nate Stanley, if he's going to be able to figure his shit out in a week. Um, because right now I am not feeling confident going into this Wisconsin game, not to look, look past Northern Iowa, but we're going to look past Northern Iowa. Um, I just don't see a way where we can beat a team like Wisconsin with mediocre, mediocre to below average quarterback play, and that's all I can think about right now. Yeah, uh, I was just going to ask real quick. On a scale of one to ten, I guess we could talk about this now. How how concerned are we with Nate Stanley and his performances so far, and like moving forward if he's going to figure it out? Um, I'm more concerned with the play calling because it's not really doing him any favors. I'm also more concerned maybe with the receiver's drops, too. I guess it's a whole confluence of factors. Um, so I'm just going to put it into I'm, I'm very concerned about the quarterback situation, and Nate Stanley is one-third of that equation. Yeah, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably put myself as a 4. Um, I, I think the thing I love about him is that he's just getting everything – I don't want to say perfect at the line of scrimmage, but you can definitely see what he's trying to do at the line of scrimmage. And maybe that's to the detriment of his actual uh, production. Uh, you know, his mind's getting a little tied up. Um, so his body's a little behind. Um, so I think what we're seeing right now is him understand the offense and what it wants to do. I'm not concerned about um, the his passing ability. I'd like to see him obviously be more accurate on those five to 10 yard throws. He's missing a few too many of them by uh, a little too much. Uh, the two slants to easily were probably the most concerning throws that I've uh, seen from him the last two weeks. Yeah. Those uh, just were because ducks. Yeah. Because those are two throws, especially that second one against Iowa state that if you hit him in stride, that can be a, a 20, 30 yard gain. Um, to say nothing of just gaining the first down. So I think that's concerning, but you also see him at the line of scrimmage, him see the single high safety, him trust Brandon Smith to to do something he didn't do last week because that was basically the exact same route from the exact same spot just on the other side. And, um, you know, he gave himself more, more room to catch that ball, and he did. Uh, it was definitely a better pass, but you see throws like that and – you understand like the potential is there for Nate Stanley. It's just a matter of him melding his mind with his body. And, and uh, I, I hope that you and I provides a good step in that direction. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned, I think right now than I think both of you. And it's not really that I don't think he's good It's that he's incredibly inaccurate this season. And I don't remember him being this inaccurate at all last year, except from the deep ball for the most part. And, 
you know, like even on like these short passes, like he's overthrowing his receivers, he's throwing the ball behind them badly, like they're coming out wobbly. Yeah, I remember you know, this I time just, last year we were talking about, yeah, the overthrows, but also he's just putting too much zip on the ball. The ball was accurate, but it's there's too much zip. I remember having this conversation to the point where his receivers couldn't get it, um, couldn't get their hands on it, and uh, I've not seen that same zip uh, I was last year, just seeing the inaccuracy. And it's almost cause to wonder if he's, you know, potentially hurt. I think that they said that he's definitely not, um, but... You know, it's kind of something that you got to think about because his passes have not looked very good this season, you know, just coming out of his hand. Yeah, I mean, I haven't paid that much attention to what they've been saying about him, but I would say things definitely look off. The velocity point, Ben, is a pretty good one um, just because you, you've seen him take a little bit off velocity-wise and on the flip side of that is he's throwing ducks so maybe he's just over gripping it who knows it might be some psychological thing but I think from an offense standpoint he's doing the right things um he's not afraid of throwing the deep ball he's you know those constraints he's still kind of making sure that the top is off of the defense um which is good uh but from a play calling's perspective I want to see more horizontal stuff and maybe that that is probably part of the reason we haven't seen it is if he is injured and I hate to I guess play out a hypothetical but how long was CJB injured and they said he wasn't like two years yeah so he was injured the whole time we had no clue how bad it was we had a clue Um, we definitely had a clue yeah towards the end of things we did but like early on you know he was uh, he had the uh he had the he had the hernia yeah, but we didn't know it was a hernia until right. he went to Philadelphia for the top hernia surger- surgeon in the, the country, if not the world. Right. So um, uh, we'll see. Um, I, I think maybe part of the reason they haven't really done much horizontal stuff in the way of screens and whatnot is that he can't throw them. So I guess we'll we'll see. Um, but ho- hopefully against you and I, we see a little bit more in terms of accuracy. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, I mean, I, something I just thought of is maybe he's trying, like we just talked about how last year the problem was that he, he was constantly throwing the ball in there maybe a little bit too hard for his receivers. And some of these guys, it's pretty, it's pretty evident that if it's that, like, they've kind of just got stone hands. Like, uh, like, Fant is so good, but Fant dropped a lot of passes last year. He's dropping... A hand. He's already dropped a handful this year. He's just, you know, that's just going to be, I think, the problem that he might have, uh, and I think easily to an extent, but not necessarily the same extent. Um, and Smith Marset too. You know, these guys. Everybody all just name kinda, everybody who was an eligible yeah, receiver um, on this team. <laughs> well, everybody. I think except I think Hawk Hawkinson. Hawkinson and I, Brady Ross. <laughs> there you go, Brady yeah, Ross, elite pass catcher. 100%. <laughs> Pass catcher Brady Ross. Um, so I guess we, we've talked a little bit about the offense. Is there is there anything else that you feel like Iowa State maybe did that you think will prepare them or prepare Iowa going forward that, that you, you think uh, they can take going forward, I guess? No. No. I, th- I mean, not. I, I wouldn't say that the defense really learned anything from the Iowa State game except for that they can stop an elite running back, but the um, 
their offense was conservative, like even like as conservative as Iowa was playing, if not more at some points. Like they and that was pre uh, pre the count injury. But their offense, their play calling was horrific as well. You know, they did not really try to air it out against Iowa. They didn't really try to, you know, change the defense up and try to confuse them. They just kind of ran an Iowa-like offense. And so I don't think the defense really is going to learn much from that. Yeah, my hottest take from this game is it was bad for Iowa to play it because the defense learned nothing. And our, you know, our corners haven't been tested. They won't be tested until week four. We play Wisconsin. This whole defense hasn't really been tested at all, and it won't. Like I said, it won't be until Wisconsin. Um, so really, I mean, yeah, they're playing stellar right now. We have nine sacks in two games. Is that sustainable? Uh, getting into the meat of the Big Ten season, obviously not. But um, so what's going to be? I think the defense and unfortunately us fans might be in for a wake up call when we start playing a team with an actual pulse. An offense with an actual pulse. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree in terms of at least Wisconsin, but I think when you look at the personnel Iowa was a, Iowa was able to throw out defensively, you saw Monty Hooker do a lot of things almost as a nickelback. Uh, Colbert and Hockaday were doing what they needed to do from a linebacker perspective. I think you saw that they can match up pretty well out of a base defense with a spread look. Yeah. Um. And I also don't think you're going to see many vanilla game plans like that um, going forward. Um, they, they just really didn't test Iowa a lot on the outside. They didn't try and get the hand, the ball in the playmaker's hands on the perimeter um, quickly. That was something that I really expected them to do. And it was, if I was an Iowa State fan, I'm like, where? why is this, why are we running the Iowa playbook? That's really what it kind of felt like. Yeah, and... You know, I think that's one of the things that Iowa State did really well after the Iowa game last year is, you know, whoever was their quarterback, they were getting the ball out of his hands very quickly. And, uh, you know, obviously, or not yesterday, I guess, obviously a few days ago, that didn't happen. You know, it was very, it was a very slow, methodical game on both sides. Yikes. Yeah, so as we turn to you and I, I guess maybe the, the big thing for me, is the injury report. This is the game that you really don't want to have anyone get injured going into conference play. Um, so off the top of my head, it's really Ivory Kelly Martin's the guy. Do you think we see him against UNI or not? Uh, I don't. If he's still banged up, I don't think we're going to see him at all. I think that you know the coaching staff probably has enough, enough faith in uh, this offensive line and the other two running backs to wear down you and I and hopefully Stanley can figure it out against an FCS defense. No promises there at this point, but you know, I think the coaching staff does have enough faith in um, this team offensively to beat an FCS program. Even a pretty solid one at that. Yeah, I think uh, Jordan Hansen, he had a pretty good point because he, he's the only one on, on our staff that's watched uh, UNI, uh, at least to my knowledge, and he said that uh, they didn't look as good by UNI standards against Montana. So um, I, I think this is one that we should see Iowa definitely get some second uh, string run. Um, probably the Peyton Manziel bandwagon is going to start really filling up, especially if he plays Damn, that's even marginally yeah. better than Nate Stanley. 
I think it's actually funny that you said that because I texted Jordan right when we were getting on and I asked him, I said, so how, what did you take away from the UNI game? And he's like, well, you and I came back and almost won. They're not going to be a pushover. So, you know, I guess tale of two different Jordans. Yeah, I don't know anything about you and I, <laughs> but uh, I, um, you know, you always have to be scared of them going back to 09. Uh, they always play Iowa tough. Um, they had David Johnson uh, last time we played them. I don't know. I couldn't name one player on you and I now. So I doubt they have another David no, Johnson. Uh, it's it's really not likely, no. Yeah, so I guess the, the thing to know is there's a quarterback controversy, and they've also had two weeks to prepare for this game. So um, we shall see. Uh, the their starter from that game, Eli Dunn. Let's see. I've got the gives that open. Oh, I have to answer a question. Anyways, we'll see either <laughs> Eli Dunn or <laughs> Colton Howell. Uh, so uh, that that's where that stands. Yeah, is that uh, that's all you got for us on that? I thought you were like, what were you looking up? Well, I'm trying to get a, a sense of their quarterback situation, but I have to answer uh, the Gazette.com question because they uh, never put in a paywall and are part of the dying industry of print media, which is incredibly sad. Mm. R.I.P. Well, rest in print. Well, I can't wow. tell you that. Nice one. What? You... He said not rest in print. I think it oh. should get noticed. He should get some credit. So let's spend a moment talking about that nice joke and then move on to, um, I don't know, what's next? Uh, well, you and I lost to Montana 26-23, to and I guess Montana's pretty good, so I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know anything about it. I'm following what the Montana beat writer told that's, me. That's Okay, that's enough. You and I, <laughs> non, non-talk, non-preview, unless somebody has some meat. Um... Do we have any punter go for it this week? We did no pre- preparation at all. Uh, I mean, kind of asking how uh, concerned you are on Stanley was something. Um, yeah, I don't. No, not not really. Uh, I guess the the punter go for it that maybe has me a little concerned is no offense situation. Just because he's someone that I think everyone thought would come in and set the world on fire. And he's had some good plays, and even, you know, some of his bad ones have uh, not necessarily been his fault either because he's gotten interfered with and um, that wasn't called or the passes are behind him and he's had to make circus catches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, no offense, um, do, do we see him get really in this game plan for, for this week? Um, yeah. I mean, I think that they'll try. The tight ends are really the only passing offense that Iowa's had for the past couple of seasons outside of Nick Easley. So, and I guess last year, Akram Wadley. But, like, I mean, they're going to have to try to get something going with the tight ends because I don't know where the production is going to come from otherwise because Easley's still gimpy. He did, yeah, uh, I, I from know. what I've gathered, he did not look great against Iowa State. Uh, Smith Marset is on the death chart, but he left that game with an injury as well. Um, which I learned after the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think he'll be fine. I am very not worried about Noah Fant. He's going to get his, um, the quarterback situation, like I said, needs to be short up. Um, he needs to catch the 
the damn ball when he can. Uh, but I'm I'm not worried about him. Uh, what I am worried about for Punter Goford is I'm a little bit worried about without Ivory Kelly Martin, who's not on the depth chart this week, correct? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> no, no disrespect to uh, Makai Sargent, but I think he's clearly um, a step below in terms, uh, talent-wise, below Ivory Kelly Martin, and uh, I don't think Torin Young. I mean, I don't think I was going to be too scared of giving the ball 30, 35 times a game. I just don't see that happening, though. And um, when no, I think it'll be about twenty-five and ten. May, yeah, maybe, but. Uh, just having, you know, a, a guy, a lesser talent at, for those 10 snaps, for those 10 runs, um, isn't super reassuring. Um, there are a couple, he, he missed a couple holes uh, against Iowa State, and I just think it takes him, uh, you know, one more step to get to his first gear um, than it does Ivory Kelly Martin or other running backs we've seen in Iowa uniform. Uh so I'm not giving up on him yet, but I'm a little bit worried for the running situation and relying too heavily on Torn Young. Uh, maybe we'll see some Henry Gale this week if there's no IKM, uh, which would be fun, I guess. Why not? I'm I'm not really worried about that this week um, because I think that Iowa's defense or Iowa's offensive line should be able to manhandle a smaller, thinner UNI defensive line. Yeah, we said that about North Dakota State too. Yeah, but. I uh, have a little bit more faith in um, these running backs. I think this than... offensive line is better than 2016 as well. So yeah, unfair. no, I would. Did they win that award in 2016? Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, didn't they? Win that, was a life, I mean, that was a lifetime achievement award. It was a lifetime achievement award. to Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I actually disagree a little bit regarding uh, Sergeant. Oh, let's I know go. I, I definitely agree in the sense that he is a step below the other two in terms of Kelly Martin and Young. I think, but I think he is deserving of carries and touches and time on the field, if for nothing else, that you just want to make sure that you're not wearing down um, your running backs earlier than you need to. Um, If Sargent's better at, 95% 95% then Young is at 75%. I think that's something that you have to weigh. Um, so I think ideally it's probably about a 40-40-20 split in terms of those three. That's just kind of my preference. But I do think that Sargent should still see the field. No, I, I completely agree yeah, with that. Yeah, should though. definitely um, play. I just really wish Ivory Kelly Martin was around. That's fair. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, mean, I I would agree that he's a step below the other two, but that's not to say he's bad. He's better than any running back Iowa had, had, you know, for a few years before Akron Wadley and LeSean Daniels showed up. Uh, Ooh, are you ready to say that after twenty carries? I mean, I would have. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. But really, even I'm over all, Kanzari? No, I forgot about Kanzari, but I was thinking like Bullock, Wiseman. Uh, whoever, uh, whoever else. Yeah, the other. It's funny you say that. that he, and I didn't want to bring it up, but now you did. He, and not a knock on Bullock, but I get reminded of Damon Bullock when I watch Makai Sargent run. He kind of stands up. He hits a hole a lot slower than you think he would, and uh, you you know he never really makes a guy miss on the, the first tackler miss. Um, uh, yeah, he reminds me a lot of Damon Bullock and. You can interpret that however you want. 
Greg Garman, McCall McCall. What a list of names. Just a quick... Rodney Coe, <laughs> former Iowa State <laughs> defensive tackle. Just a just a quick stroll down memory lane while we're uh, while we're while I was getting there. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think he's probably better than a handful of those guys. You know, he's not he's not really like you could see the you could see the um, words you could see the talent that he has. You know, he might be a step slower than some of these other guys, and he's smaller, but I don't think that's necessarily an issue. Not at all. Um, so I guess uh, that kind of turns us away from football uh, as we uh, kind of wind down a shorter podcast. Ooh, but ooh. Before, I, before we get away oh. from football, can I okay. say something really quick? Yeah. Oh, actually, Max, no, let's talk about your Kinect experience. Or were, did you actually go to the game? No, I did not make it to the game. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Max. Max. Um, Max. Not, not on my own accord. Um, things I would never admit to anybody. No, no, no. So I was supposed to get a ticket from a buddy, and he, uh, so I was going to buy it from him. And he was driving to Iowa City, and his car broke down. And so I did not have a ticket. It turned out. So, like, it's not like, a, oh, I got um, too intoxicated and I did not make it to the stadium. It was more of a case of uh, I did not have a ticket to the game in, a, in the end. Is this it? Is this your story Harrison was excited for you to tell? Uh, I mean, I peaked at about 2.30 in the afternoon. Did you say peaked or puked? Peaked. peaked. Mm. Yeah, no, I, didn't, I did not throw up. Um, I, am, I am an adult. He's Thank an adult. Much. Um, but I definitely, I definitely did peak at like 2.30 in the afternoon, and I definitely went to bed at about 10. Which isn't the worst thing to do, like going to bed early. It's responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I told my mom I went to bed at ten. She's like, "Wow, you guys didn't go out." And I was like, "Ha, ha, ha, yeah." yeah. <laughs> Hope, hi, mom. If you're listening to this, she's my um, but, any- <laughs> but anyways, um, so AJ Epinesa, pretty good at football. Yeah, we. Uh, that's yeah. That's on me as the nominal host of this. Like, we, <laughs> as someone who is about... hosting this against his will. <laughs> as, uh, as somebody uh, who doesn't remember his own name, so I can't I really get upset. But uh, I so I just got this sent over to me. He's played forty-six snaps this season. He has nine tackles, three uh, for a loss, all of which were sacks. And those and well, a strip uh, sack. Yeah, two, 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 two strip sacks. Um, those three tackles for loss total 22, uh, loss yards, two quarterback hurries, and a pass deflection. Uh, that's, uh, pretty solid in my opinion. Uh, a lot of, a lot of numbers there, but, um, well, it, Vanessa, they're, they're numbers that remind me of Khalil Mack, who forced me into turning my TV off last night. The, the, oh, no, okay, we're not, we're not going here. I will stop this podcast. Bear right down, Chicago Bears. I will end this podcast. <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, the, the way that FNS is being utilized, I think, is just perfect for this team. Um, you're seeing him do more but also do it within what he is, like, built to do as a human being. Right, um, he is a strict pass rusher almost. And I love it. Uh, there are some times where he'll be out there w- for a run and you see him starting to understand more of holding the edge, forcing backs inward. Um, and, and then also the thing that I've noticed, and 
I'm almost ready to predict is they're dropping him into coverage every now and then out of I don't even know if it's technically the Raider package anymore. I, I would be fine with it. For yeah. defensive ends, but I, I think he's going to get an interception and maybe a touchdown. Uh, I, dropping into coverage. I would 100% be on board with that happening. He's a pretty quick dude. Yeah, and Parker Hesse is in coverage quite a bit more than I think we yeah. realize. So I think he's sort of taking that role. And Hesse's been playing, been moving on the interior a little bit. He's been, they've been moving him around all over the defense, uh, which is giving, you know, obviously up in that some more playing time. Uh, any way we can get those three guys in the field, uh, I'm really happy with. I don't want to have the conversation. He should be starting over Hesse or Nelson, I think. What they're doing with him right now is great. And we're seeing, yeah, no. we're seeing his snaps go up. Um, they're... What do you get? 46 total this season is all I have, okay. so about 23 a game. All right, so, yeah, we'll say that. I think he – I want to say he had 19 in the first game. Um, yep. Oh, he, oh, he had 23 in both games. Okay, well, either way, uh, I feel good uh, about this whole defense. I'm not worried about nothing. And, uh, well, I mean, I am worried about lots of things, but this <laughs> defensive line is not one of them. I'm not worried about the punting. Punting is uh, still looking okay. Yeah, you saw Iowa State do um, what I expect we'll see more teams do in terms of having the two returners back there, one kind of protecting against the long, maybe not the long kick, but the the two-step kick and the other uh, protecting against the rugby-style kick. So I think we've seen more teams do that. But if you can get, you know, the ball in the air, 35, 40 yards, no return, you kind of take that uh, compared to compared last season, to last yeah. especially compared to last season. It. So uh, I, the punting is trending sideways, I would say, because it started pretty high last week. Yeah, and I'll take that. Punt return, exactly. punt return saw regression, severe regression. Did it though? We only had one. We had one punt return for one yard compared to five for forty-two yards last week. But you also got the fifteen yards because of that penalty. I don't recall the play in question. Because it was... Because what Gronowig's going to do, and he's probably going to get hurt on this sometime, is he... Oh, yeah, they they, did catch interference, yeah. Yeah, kick-catch interference. And, like, he's going to try and catch it if there's one guy come barreling towards him because he knows that he's going to get 15 yards if he gets hit. Yeah. So I look for him to get... A couple more of those halo-like penalties thrown. At I don't know. Too. I don't. I, I'm going to put that penalty on the stupidity of the Iowa State player over Granny Wade's savviness. I guess. I just think it's really yeah. Running into the, the uh, punt return, not not very smart. And, yeah. I don't know. I've never, but I've also never uh, tried to uh, cover yeah. a punt, so. <laughs> so I guess I don't really. I don't know shit. So. <laughs> All right, but let's uh, let's do our basketball minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have a basketball minute. Do 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 do. Luca Garza was uh, hospitalized by getting a cyst removed in his abdomen. What do we make of this? Uh, he might miss some shitty non-con games. Whatever. What? Who's on? Who's on the schedule? Like co college? Whatever. We Who got cares? Tahiti Tech at home. <laughs> Tahiti Tech. 
I, I hear they're uh, even worse than the teams they normally schedule. Yes. But I think the concern is if he can make it to the games in New York. Um, two months out from now is the Oregon game, um, roughly November 15th. So ho- hopefully he's only going to miss practice. Um, my very optimistic reading of this was that it was something akin to Dr. Dr. Pimple Popper. So hopefully it's something that we don't have to worry too much about. And obviously we hope that he's doing fine. Um, and it sounds like he yeah, is. Yeah, it sounds yeah. yeah. Just routine and surgery, it I, sounds like, yeah. yeah. And I really hope that he is okay for that Oregon game because I do want to see him go up against Bull Bull. Oh, you're right. Damn. That'll be yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that wraps up our basketball minute. What a, what a minute it was. Else to talk about <laughs> at all. You said don't sound don't sound so enthusiastic. I mean, we ben. can talk about other things, but uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> Ben's sure, like, please no. <laughs> sure, you don't want to hear about any wedding planning. Uh, do you, Ben? I just came from a bachelor party. I was around enough wedding related things for the past three days. Makes sense. Yep. So, on that note, uh, for Max, Ben, and myself, thanks for listening, and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Hawkeye State.